Welcome to Season 5 of the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors Worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. I continue to find so much gratitude for all the warriors willing to share their stories with us. And so whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the multiple autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you're in the right place. As we continue to grow, the HSCT Warrior Community illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. Thanks so much, Brooke Slick, for joining us to fill us in on how everything has been going since the last time we spoke. Well, thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, well, um, it's no it's fun. It's kind of crazy. It has been crazy, and it's no fun to experience trigeminal neuralgia. Am I saying that right? That's correct. That's and, correct. And when I saw you had to go through that surgery, I just my heart went out to you, first of all, and I just hope which, you didn't which suffer. surgery? The first one, the second one, or the third one? Oh, <laughs> I actually, I, I was looking back through, actually, a memory popped up on Facebook, um, about my trigeminal neuralgia, and it was from four years ago. And I was like, four years? I've been struggling with this, with this for four years? I was like, oh, my God. Um, That's a and it long was, it was time. Just, yeah. It, it's a long time to be in pain, let's put it that way, or to be in fear of pain returning, um, much like MS. You know, you're, you don't know when a relapse is going to pop up, or, you know, you'll wake up, and not be able to walk or something not functioning that day. Um, it's the same kind of thing. It's like always nipping at your mental heels. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I, I had it before transplant, but just little touches of it. I would get these shocks go through my eyes, and it, they happened in the winter. I think it was the year of my transplant, which was 2013, and I seriously, I was on my computer at the time, and I had my glasses on, and I thought I got shocked. Oh, no. And I threw, like, it happened so rapidly that I took my glasses and threw them across the room. Like, I thought that's what was conducting right. the electrical shock. Wow. I had, I had no clue. And it happened a couple of other times. I remember I was going through a drive through once. Same thing. I had the same glasses on. And I was like, oh, my God, not even realizing. And then I had my transplant for, I think it was four months later. And uh, just, I never, I I didn't know. I had no clue it was anything MS-related. I just thought it was winter and, you know, how, like, static electricity builds up. And who knows? And it wasn't really painful. It was more like a surface pain. But um, it wasn't until um, four years ago in the summer uh, I got these, there's two kinds of trigeminal neuralgia. That, that's the thing. Um, both of them cause facial pain. Trigeminal neuralgia one, which is what I have, um, give you these electrical shocks that run through, there are three branches to the trigeminal nerve that start at the base of your brain, like right behind your ear. Um, one goes up through your like your forehead and your eyebrow. One goes through your jaw. One goes through like your teeth, which is like the middle, and one goes down your jaw. And I would get these lightning electric shocks. It felt like electric shots of um, like hot, boiling, simmering acid. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, yeah, up through my eyebrow and into my eyeball, and up into my head. And they would last about 20 seconds apiece. That's brutal. And Just brutal to think about. Yeah. And, you, like, certain things would trigger them. I, 
I couldn't, don't even ask me why, but anything electrical, I could not walk by a light socket. I couldn't, like, you know, I have foot drops, so I drag my one foot on the floor, okay? So when you're walking, you build up electric, you know, static electricity. Yeah. That would build up. That would set it off. Just crazy, crazy stuff. If somebody got too close to me, it, the the closeness of their body to mine would set it off. Yeah, their energy. It, it was insane. Absolutely insane. Um, so I dealt with that and for uh, at least a month. It got to the point where I was getting these shocks up to like 50-something times a day, which they bring you to your knees every single time. Yeah, that's just awful. I I know I've had similar pain in my jaw and into my ear that I was convinced yeah. was just a tooth issue. Oh yeah. And I went into the dentist just to have so him check I. everything out and he's like, "No, there's nothing wrong with your teeth." Yep. Same thing. I'm like, "So oh, this is just nerve?" Thought. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, that was my first thought. So I went into the dentist, nothing, not a thing. They did x-rays, not a problem. I'm like, "Okay." You know, and I'm kind of relieved at each thing, but that was before it got really bad, had MRIs. And that's the thing. Um, people with MS, and I've been reading the statistics, and the statistics, depending on what you're reading, are that anywhere from 2 to 9% of people with MS will ultimately develop trigeminal neuralgia. Aren't we lucky? Yeah. Yippee! Um, but typically... And, and no matter what, it's due to demyelination, whether from MS or something else. It's demyelination of the tri- one of the trigeminal nerves um, and, or, or the nerves like at the, the base of the skull that lead to the trigeminal nerve. And sometimes you can get a scan and it's flat out demyelination from MS. For me, it's not. And not every MS patient, that's, that's the case. Fascinating. For non-MS people, it can be a blood vessel that rubs up against um, the nerve that typically it wouldn't, and it demyelinates the coating. It can also be a tumor that is pressed up against the nerve that help, that demyelinates the myelin sheath, and ex- it exposes it, and any of the, it's just like any of the rest of our MS, it misfires. And um, that's what's happening when the, in mine I had, I, there was absolutely no evidence. But he also said, and we know this, um, depending on the strength of the MRI machine you're using, the strength of the magnet, uh, he said, you know, there could be demyelination on a, on a microscopic level that can be causing this. So there really was nothing definitive. You know, it just so happens I have MS. I might have gotten this anyway. Um, sure. And the older you get, I think 50 and older, if you're a non-MSer, is typically the, the path. Um, but people with MS can be much younger and get it. But I, I finally had suffered long enough. Um, I, and talk about pain. This was the third, this is the beginning of this year. I've already had two glycerol rhizotomies. A glycerol rhizotomy is where they take a long, long needle up through your cheek, up through your facial bone, like the holes in your skull, up through to the trigeminal nerve, which is right around. It goes, it comes out of like your, like right at where you, you know, if you put your fingers alongside of your head where you have a headache or something, right along there, your temple. Your temple, yeah, yeah. Right along. So this needle goes up. They, I envision it like this, and I've I've seen the videos of it. And I've tried to blank it out of my mind. Right. <laughs> um, but they squirt glycerin, and they damage the nerve, so it numbs your face, so you can't feel the pain. Interesting. And it was it was effective. The first one was effective for about a year. Second one, because you can have multiple, because typically you're back there within two years after glycerosotomy, because your body heals and the nerves start working again. So I had it a second time. It only lasted about eight months. And that's when, the beginning of this year, I could have had like two more of these things that I'm like, for what? So 
So I said, we, we've got to do something, something more drastic. More permanent, yeah. Yes. So he did something that's called an open partial sensory rhizotomy of the left cistern of something, something. What they do is they go to the behind the ear, they cut a hole in your skull, take out a piece of the skull, they go in, and the way he describes it to me is they clip the nerve. Or they clip, yeah, they clip the nerve. That's what he told me. Wow. They damage it in some way that's more permanent than just... Numbing uh, it for a while. Burning it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not burning. It's not radiation. It's not anything like that. And I was in the hospital just overnight, and I was good to go, and I haven't had any pain since. Fascinating. Oh, my God. Thank God. And it's a miracle. And I'm just crossing my fingers. And I'm honestly, I'm trying to keep any timelines. Just like just like recovering from HSCT. Sure. You know, they say, oh, within two years, you're blah, 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 blah. Biggest gift I ever gave myself was wiping that timeline out of my head. So I wasn't con- constantly expecting for things to be a certain way by the two-year mark. Yes. You know, because things can improve at the four-year mark you know, out of nowhere, or the three-year mark. And it depends. There's so many factors that play into that. It could be how well you're taking care of yourself, how well you're rehabbing, how, you know, somebody might be able to walk better sooner or overcome their foot drop because they're working on it, you know, as opposed to somebody who just comes out of HSCT and say, okay, I'm just going to sit here and wait to get fixed, you know, wait for my body to heal and fix itself. So I tried to wipe that out of my mind with this surgery as well. So I'm just going to live life to the fullest until or unless, until it comes back, if it comes back, which it may not. That's the thing. So, yeah, it's been crazy. And what I had been doing behind the scenes that the trigeminal neuralgia was keeping me from doing, in addition to, you know, helping with the HSCT community, was uh, two years ago, I started writing a book. I should have that thing finished by now. I don't have it finished. But that's okay, (laughs) right? Because life gets in the way, and you just had a chunk of your skull removed in order to have a nerve clipped. Like, that's a big deal. I know, I know, but I I hate to let people down when I say I'm going to do something. Like, I always have a plan, my plan, my plan. Well, you know what MS does to plans, right? Indeed. (laughs) Yeah. So um, working on that and working, well, I had been doing the uh, hosting the MS Gym podcast. Right, which is amazing. You were doing such a great service Thank to our you. community with that. Well, here's the cool thing. Because I've got all these other things that I've been putting off, sometimes you have to say to yourself, okay, maybe I can't do it all. I, I can't do everything. And I thought to myself, ideally, what, what would happen how could someone help with the podcast? And I thought, you know what? I need a co-host. That's what I need. I need somebody to split up, you know, you do this and I do that. And we each have half as much work type of thing. Yeah, sure. And I got to thinking about it. And I looked back over all of the guests that we had on, had, had on. And I thought, you know, the one thing that was missing was we, we weren't featuring MS Gym members as much. And I thought, what if we had a co-host who their job was to highlight the struggles and the victories of MS Gym members? And I'll just do the same kind of outside of the MS Gym, yet MS-related guests. So I was like, and I knew exactly who I wanted it to be. I don't know if you're familiar with Jody Feltham. I've but been she listening, does, yeah. Yeah, she does Motivational Mondays on the MS Gym website, and she's fantastic. And I thought that would be my dream co-host. So first I ran by Trevor and Ken Allen and Misty and asked them what they thought. Well, they were thrilled. And they had been wanting to start uh, highlighting members as well. So I contacted Jody and she was all about it. So hopefully the first week of October, we're going to be every other week is going to be an episode and um, we're going to switch back and forth. And sometimes we're going to jump in and each of us 
are like we'll just the two of us will chat like we'll do a zoom together and then we'll record it and we'll just chat about you know something ms related that did you ever think about blah 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 or just anything that might be on our mind something that's pressing at the moment within the ms community whether it's a new drug or or our hsct experience you just never know we'll just kind of like bounce stuff off of each other so i'm excited i I love it yeah and I get to work on my book. And the other thing, which I don't know if we ever talked about this in the first episode, but my real, my end game goal is uh, a mobility device that yes. I had patented. We did yes. talk about it. And I've seen the prototype. It's so amazing. Oh, cool. I couldn't remember if I shared it or not, or I, I don't know. But that's really, and what happened was last year, I finally, I signed on with an IP agent, which is somebody who represents you in your intellectual property for your patent. It it was, it's a year long kind of process with different phases of the contract. And as soon as we got to the point in the contract where you actually start contacting companies and doing all these things, um, these manufacturers, COVID happened. Of course. (laughs) And everything was flipped upside down. The good thing is the the agent that I'm working with is they're totally flexible and totally cool. And we just were taking longer than we normally would, letting companies get, you know, back on their feet again. And they've also let me do, like, I'll come up with ideas. I'll be like, you know what? Send this email out to them. Ask them about this. And, and they'll do it. They're very flexible. They're not stringent about just doing it their way. Um, so, and it's I'm, so I'm important trying, to find those partners that are supportive. Yes. Yes. You know, that it's not just all. And I told them, I said, anything that you put out, I want to see before it's put out. I want to approve it. And I want to edit it. And I've edited every single thing they've sent out. Not because what, what they're sending out is... Uh, it's bad. It's just, I need more of me in those emails. Sure. And that's the thing. My mom says, you know, unfortunately you're the best representative of this. You're the one with the enthusiasm about it. You're the one that's been using your version of it for the last five years. And I said, you know, you're right. And I'm working on something there too. I've got a little video I'm putting together and I'm going to put out into the interwebs and uh, see who might take a bite or at least bring to light more about this mobility device that I'm so tired of waiting for it to not be out on the market so I can take it to the mall sure. or take it somewhere in public. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. And I'm, I'm anxious to, I'm really, really, really anxious to see just how many people it helps because I know I know now how much it's going to help them because I use mine all the time. Sure. Every day, all day long. I'm excited. And, of course, the HSCT world has been on, speaking of COVID, um, things have been super slow. You know, I'm an admin for the uh, HSCT Russia group. Well, it's been dead as a doornail, which I'm sure it has been in a lot of the HSCT groups because nothing, you know, has been moving or people have been hesitant to make a move because of COVID. But finally, Russia is opening up to certain European countries and, you know, there's still different guidelines and you have to have a a negative COVID test before you come and blah, blah, blah. But they're finally starting to uh, loosen up and uh, open the doors. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn more uh, during the webinar we'll be featuring at the end of this month. And you're joining us as a panelist, which is really exciting. I am excited about that. And I think, you know, here you have two of, especially since Chicago is no longer an option, I think uh, Dr. Ruiz and Dr. Federenko, Russia and Mexico are now the two target locations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially for people that don't qualify for the clinical trials here in the States. Yes. Exactly. Or, you know, go ahead, go ahead, (laughs) go ahead, go ahead. Well, or the people who decide that myeloablative is just a little too rigorous for what they're up for. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I think that's something, you know, they've got this trial going on at how many different locations throughout the U.S.? 20. Yeah, but it's myeloablative. 
yeah, it, you know, when I, I don't want to say that I spoke with Dr. Burt directly, but his team, right. Mm -hmm. They're just so hesitant because in their minds, myeloablative is just so much more aggressive than it needs to be. Yes. In order to like have the same outcome. Yes. And Dr. Fedorenko has always said that 100%. He's like, it is just as effective. It is just as effective without the increased risk to the patient. Because that's the thing. I mean, HSCT, non-myeloablative itself is no picnic. No, right. I mean, chemo is chemo is chemo. Right. Why take more of it? Right. There's ablate your your immune system or completely ablate and it's like how much reverse do you want to i mean it's like beating a dead horse like right well and so they will run through their trials right and collect their data and yeah publish their findings in the next three years if they can recruit the right number of patients for it but hopefully in the meantime Dr. Burt's been working on his textbook and hopefully that will be published and then more doctors will realize non-myeloablative doesn't bring the risk that myeloablative brings and we'll see more locations begin offering this protocol. I don't think it's ever, ever going to be somebody's first choice. As long as there are drugs... Even if HSCT was completely available to everyone right now in the U.S., it's never going to be a first choice. Just like Ty Sabri, as much as my doctor wanted to give me Ty Sabri forever and I refused, people still aren't going to choose it first. But at least the ones who do choose it won't get any blowback on choosing it, or they'll have an opportunity to have it at you know 20 different locations instead of just one or two. Right, right. We just want it to be an option, right? Like, that's the whole point of this podcast. It's the whole point of the nonprofit is just let's bring awareness to HSCT as an an option for treatment. And it so amazes me, even after, you know, everything that we've been doing for years, yelling it through the mountaintops, and then Selma Blair, (laughs) um, of course, which is a watershed moment. It still amazes me that people in the MS community who do not know what HSCT is. Yes, right. I'm just like, they must be new. <laughs> Are you new here? <laughs> or new to Facebook. or Because yes. Facebook has been where the conversations have been happening, right? Yes. And honestly... Lumez, we're doing our best on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that too. But I mean, I didn't find HSCT on Facebook at all. I didn't really Google even MS on Facebook. Like I read right. about it in a, in a newspaper article. And so right. only after the fact did the nurses and the team in Chicago say, oh, and by the way, there's a Facebook group you might want to join. Right. I loathe yep. social media as it is and, you know, have to be on there. <laughs> right. Just and, to and be in community, right? Exactly. Yeah, I found it through Amy Peterson on Facebook. Like, I just found her, then found her blog, and that's, like, I wasn't part of any MS group, not a single MS Facebook group, none. So I had been following her for months until um, <clears throat> I came across the, uh, the, the, the general, you know, the main HSCT page. Well, sure. there wasn't a Russia one at the time. No. Not so, in 2013. No. Well, not until after Jeff, Jeff Root went to Russia in 2013. He started it, I think, in June. He was there in March, and then he started it in June, and, of course, it's exploded. Since then. Yeah, well, and so kudos to you for, again, trying to create this community of MSers, certainly through the MS gym, but also just helping to foster that communication and connection among people in the HSCT groups. Absolutely. I mean, I, I always, I never, ever, never lose sight of the fact that in the very beginning, all it was was me, Tammy, and Jeff, three of us, working together online through Facebook Messenger, 
making all our plans together. Did you get your visa? How did you, which, which agency did you use? Did you, you know, and then once they got there one at a time, Jeff was there first, then Tammy, then me, that we all eventually were there at the same time, even for only a few days. Um, each other giving each other, well, you can expect this. Don't forget this. You know, so now we're bringing that little group of three and all of that. And we created this community that's now, I don't know how many thousand we have now. So they don't have to do all the work. They can just step in, ask a question, find the answers, you know, in the files or wherever, you know, we try to make it as comprehensive as possible and they don't have to, you know, they can just search for a word for chemo or whatever and find out whatever they want. We didn't have all we had. We had Amy Peterson and Phoebe Scopes who had been to Russia, and that was it. Brave so, warriors. They they were. They were the trailblazers. It's amazing how so far we've come since yes, 2013. Yeah, it's such a short time. Yeah. It seems like a long time, but it's really not. We're doing everything we can. I love everything that you guys are doing and highlighting HSCT warriors and, you know, veterans and their stories and recoveries. And that's the thing, you know, recoveries come in all different shapes and sizes. Absolutely. You know, some people have these miracle, oh, my God, I've been in a wheelchair for, you know, a year. And now I'm walking, you know, whether with a walker or trekking poles or nothing. And then there are other people who are exactly the same as when they went in, but they've had no progression since. And <clears throat> that's the goal, of course. Right. No progression. That That's where I'm at. I mean, I use tricing poles and everything. There are lots of little things that are better for me since. But I'm essentially, I'm still probably, a, I would say, anywhere, depending on the day, depending on what I've been doing or what time of day, um, in my activity level, I'm anywhere between a 5 and 6.5. Um, but I do use two tracking poles, which I should have been doing all along. Yes. Um, yeah, because it messes with your hips when you use a cane or one tracking pole, which or on, I use one tracking pole for forever. Yeah, on one side, and then your body becomes yep. out of sync. Yep. I had to learn that from the MS gym, thanks to Trevor. Um, but it's really changed my game. I feel much more free. No, I don't use them in the house at all. I don't use anything in the house. But, you know, I get on gravel or grass or, you know, just walking anywhere in public, I use both of them. And I've, over time, uh, even I struggle with the whole, oh, everybody's going to look at me and think I'm disabled, which I am. To a a degree, I'm differently abled, let's say, but even I have, I'm getting better and better at saying, screw it. These things give me freedom, just like someone's wheelchair. All of these aids are are equal freedom for us. Right. So we personally need to get over, we need to get over ourselves, Jen. (laughs) It's so, well, it's so true. And I... I know that a lot of my spasticity or issue with walking is driven Mm -hmm. through the anxiety of knowing people are watching me. If I know people are watching me, I always do worse. And so if I have, if I have my trekking poles, then like clearly there's something wrong. Yes, (laughs) It's easy to see for those people that I need the support of something. Like if I don't use my trekking poles and people are watching, I'm still worse, but I'm like even worse because I don't have the support of my trekking poles. You know, it's interesting, interesting you say that I, because I was, I've been out with different people recently and, uh, well, actually I had a photo shoot the other day and I was with a photographer all day long and we were all different kinds of terrains, grass, street sidewalks, everywhere. And I always want the person I'm with or people I'm with to walk in front of me. Yes, me too. (laughs) I always say, you go first. No, you go first. Go ahead. And the thing is, people, because we use some kind of aid or we have difficulty walking, they're just being polite. They're all like, oh no, you first. When someone walks behind me, it's like somebody puts a cage on me mentally and physically. I I can't do it. I can't. 
I, it's just like, no, 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 you go first. And then I can freely walk however I want to walk without yes. somebody watching how I'm walking. My husband does it all the time still. And I'm like, no, you go first. You go first. He's like, okay. But they're just trying to be polite. And we're just, it's just us. Right. Or they feel, and in my mind, they're worried that I'm going to fall and they want yes. to like catch me or something. And I don't yes. want that to be a burden for them. So yes. I don't want them to even have that thought. Because then yep. that creates the thought in my mind that, well, I must be ready to fall. <laughs> I know, yep. like, if you can just get out of the way and be in yes. front of me, then I can yes. walk at my own pace. And I don't feel your tension and your energy yeah. of fear that I'll fall. Right? And I'm always like, like, I'll catch up. Because, of course, the people walking in front of you are walking typically faster than we are. Um, and I'm like, and they're always kind of like, oh, no, we'll wait, we'll wait. I'm like, no, just go ahead and I'll catch up. That way it takes that, because it's difficult enough when you think the public at large is watching you. But when the people you're with are my, I always think in my mind, my husband's back there looking at exact, or whoever it is, are looking at exact, wow, this, she's not lifting her foot. She's not this. Meanwhile, they just want to get to the movie, you know? Right, right. And be helpful. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing is, I do have a section about that in my book. Yeah. That's wonderful, though, because mm-hmm. I think it is a common, it's a common thing, at least for some people I talk with on the podcast. Yeah. You feel like all eyes are on you. And sometimes they are, right? Yes. And so yes. I try to remind myself, like, it's an invitation for them to recognize and realize that not everybody in this world walks very well. Yes. You know, MS or not. Right. I mean, I went to pick up food the other day and was just so appreciative that the lady in the restaurant decided to bring the food out for me because she saw it might be an issue for me to carry a bag of food, open the door. And at that time, I just had the one trekking pole anticipating I wouldn't be able to carry the bag of food. So she already like she was already helpful in that way. And as then I'm, I'm slow, I told her, just go ahead and you can leave it on top of my car because I know you're busy and I don't want you to have to wait for me. Like, yes. you, that's my car. You can just leave the bag on top. And yes. so she did. But then this guy was coming out of his car to walk into the restaurant and saw me. And he, uh-huh. I think he did a double take and he went back to his car to put on his face mask because he forgot he didn't have one on and I don't know if like he was even planning to walk in without one or like yeah it helped him realize we're wearing masks right now for a reason to protect the vulnerable yes yes and I I've had the same experience and I think to myself not all the vulnerable are elderly right there's a whole uh, there's a whole other bunch of us that are immunosuppressed or even if we're not still immunosuppressed, we would be less likely to fight off something like COVID or it'd be more of a struggle for us. So yeah, I've definitely seen that and and thought about that along this whole COVID thing, you know, and I wanted to stand up and scream, you are protecting me and I am protecting you. But, you know, I just kind of uh, people don't want to be told what to do. Nobody wants, you know, your uh, rights, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, we'll talk about your rights after your mother or your spouse or your child dies. And you're like, oh, geez, maybe I should have been wet. Yeah. but It's scary it's times right now. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's, it's inter- interesting how, and I did a podcast episode on this. I said COVID-19, the great, something like the great equalizer. Yes. Which, it it is um it you know we're all sitting here we've we've dealt with having our lives ripped out from underneath us and oh you can't work anymore you can't this you can't that you can't go to the store you can't and we're just sitting back on going, yeah mhm this is what this it's is, like this is comfortable yes while the rest of the world is like freaking out they're freaking right. out my job my money I'm, I'm going to have to sell my house. I'm going to have what? It, and we've all been through it. When when you're faced with a chronic illness and disability on top of it, you know, one by one, things are plucked out of your 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 plan um, and you have to recalibrate. It's all about recalibration and how well you handle the recalibration. 
and I think it's it's uh, it exposed who can really handle the tough times and who can't. Absolutely, it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you but, never know who's vulnerable. Yeah, and it was just interesting to watch it all play out as we sat back strumming our fingers on our, <laughs> you know, table going, mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, and that's why we started this, like, We Are Vulnerable campaign with HSCT yeah. Warriors to just highlight <clears throat> some some really inspiring quotes from the podcast because so many of us have experienced this unsettling kind of pause in life. Right. And yes, it's, um, it's good opportunity to slow down and reflect on what's important. Right. And well, I think a lot of people have changed the way they do things, you know, when they were forced inside, forced to spend time with family, um, that they, time that they never would have had before. And some people, it broke them, and some people embraced it and will never go back to the way things were. And I think that was the great gift of COVID was that, that time. And it's the same with, with MS because it can, you can either let it wreck your life mm. or you can, like I said, recalibrate, realign yourself with it, work with it, Instead of against it, saying, okay, if you, you got to live with me, um, here, here are the rules, and uh, I'm, I'm going to bring you along, and we'll just do what we can do. But, you know, everybody's different. So That's I true. can only hope that people try to thrive despite MS. They might be thriving in a different way. That's the thing. So many people have so many dreams. You know, we all had, you know, our plan, and MS came along, and the plan changed, and the dreams that we had before might be completely different, but there are fantastic dreams out there that may even be better than what you had planned originally. Yeah. You know, I just hope, hope people can find their way to that, or uh, let their mind find their way to that um, kind of release and surrender to what's happening. That doesn't mean, you know, give up the fight type thing, but surrender to what's happening. Right. Well, it models what we all had to experience, say, going through transplant, right? Like you can't, (laughs) you cannot resist uh, the stem cell harvest or the chemotherapy or the uncomfortableness. And the side effects that come with it. Yeah. You just... And I, I mean, this I have seen firsthand hundreds of times, those that aren't going to surrender, the ones that are in the planning phases... Those that aren't going to surrender before, during, or after HSCT, you can see them coming a mile away. And sure enough, every time they struggle during and they struggle most, mostly after. They struggle after because they just, you know, I know people get so tired of hearing about mindset, but I'm all about it. Yes, it's and, so and important. It makes a huge difference in your HSCT experience while it's happening. And way important is after. You know, you cannot, and it, even I, when you have a chronic illness for so long, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, tomorrow your progression's going to be gone. Well, it, it was. And you've got to rethink who you are. You're, you've got to. It's hard to not always have this little nagging thing in the back of your mind that, well, tomorrow this could happen, tomorrow this could happen, when it's probably not going to. And you have to readjust your thinking. It's almost like you get a new identity. I I didn't struggle with it, but it was definitely there. I had to remind myself that I'm this new person now, um, or at least this new trajectory as far as my disease. And it, it took a little readjusting mentally to get used to being okay. Yeah. You know, well, no yeah. more drugs. No more, like, that, when you're on drugs for so long, you get up and you think, oh, do I do my injection today? You know, it's just part of your mental routine. And to have all that gone, you're like, you almost feel like you're walking without a, a, a net. I mean, it's a great net not to have. Oh, yeah. There is so much freedom there, but it is an adjustment. And it's, 
I mean, do you find yourself going back to the fear or the doubt that HSCT has worked for you? No. Good for you. I, no, I and don't ask me. Well, it's just because I'm very strong willed. <laughs> sure. Well, and you're, you're practicing that healthy mindset and, and embracing that transformation, right? Like, you know, you're on a different path now where disease is not the disease progression is not part of your story anymore. And I also know that if it's something I can't change at the moment, at that very moment, there's absolutely no sense wasting my time worrying about it. I could, and I think a lot of people spend a lot of time worrying about if it worked or not, even a year or so out. Oh, it didn't work. It didn't work. Or it's not working anymore. And they're constantly waiting for the bomb to drop for the other shoot to drop, you know, and that's no way to live. Right. You cannot control the outcome other than embracing the mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. The, of positivity. And even if it didn't work, or even if you are relapsing, accepting that for what it is, right. And moving yeah. forward with, okay, then what's next? And something else, especially I haven't had an MRI, you know, a MS MRI brain, um, and spine. I haven't had one of the spine since 2013 because my doctor said there's really no sense in it. You know, I'm just going to you know, what, what's your brain, especially because I wasn't having any problems. And so I'm having my first MRI of spine and brain in two and a half years next month. And I do, since it's been so long, it's been seven years. I think to myself, what would I do if there was activity or a new lesion or something? Um, and I think my response now I mean, I already know my response now would be much different than the Brooke from eight years ago. The Brooke from eight years ago would have been hyper-reactive. Okay, what struggle are we going to take next? Which, you know, i got to do this. I've got to do that. Like, I would have been trying to get to my neurologist immediately. And, and now I think, and I say this, but we'll see what the MRI says. Right. Um, I, now I think panicking is not going to fix this and we're going to take our time and figure this out. And, you know, I just, it's, I will have a different response than I did in the earlier MS Brook in the pre HSCT Brook, because I, w I won't be panicking. And I wish all of those other years that I spent panicking every time I had a relapse, I would have had the, the wherewithal not to panic. But that's typically not how it works. You're always in a battle all the time. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see what my reaction is. Well, yeah, what, um, what is motivating you to have that MRI? Well, just because I haven't had one in so long. Sure, curiosity. Yeah, curiosity, not, not decline. If, and that's the thing, I ha there ha are certain things that I, d I did really well right after transplant. That every single time I had a relapse, or not a relapse, ugh, a surgery, I had to fight my way back from those. Sure. Well, your body suddenly is in like a fear response, right? It's trying yes. to protect itself because something... Um, well, external the trauma is to the body these days, yeah. especially this last one, it kicked me in the butt. Um, and I got sick last year. That's the other thing, you know, people don't realize I, I don't even know what I had, like, who the heck knows if it was COVID or not, that it was at the end of last year. And then I got sick again, right after the surgery. Plus here's the other thing, something very important, shingles. I've had shingles like five times. Oh my gosh. Day. Oh, yeah. I, and it just so happens that, and yes, there is a connection between the two somehow, um, shingles and trigeminal neuralgia, uh, shingles, which is herpetic. You know, there's something called post-herpetic trigeminal neuralgia. Every single time I would get these trigeminal attacks, sure enough, I'd have right before or right after shingles. Fascinating. Yes. And it's proven and it's, you know, I was even looking at stuff right before this phone call. 
So it's, it's real. Um, and I have been on a cycle there. I still take a cycle there. Um, and any time I've been off it, because you know how it is, oh, you know, I haven't had shingles in so long. I'm just going to take a break because I hate taking drugs. Sure. And sure enough, every damn time I'll start to feel a tingle and I'll be like, oh, no, thank you. But when you get shingles, I'm telling you, depending on where you get them, I've had them on my lower back, my knee, my foot, my hands. It sets you back, as did a vaccine that I had, which I know nobody wants to hear. But I did. I had my uh, booster tetanus diphtheria at two years. And I lost and have never gained back. I lost some of my improvement in my foot drop. Interesting. And it, I just never got it back. And it was overnight. There was no question as to whether it was due to anything else. It was the vaccination. And the only reason I got it is because my neurologist described to me how he had watched somebody with uh, tetanus die. And I was like, oh, my God, I better get it. I wish I'd never gotten it. And it, it happens. So there are other things in life, whether MS-related or not, that can worsen your EDSS or worsen a symptom or definitely sickness can bring on every symptom that you ever had. My yes. MS hug, which I, that's one thing that has improved since I just see, is no MS hug unless I'm fighting something or I get shingles, which in which case my body is also fighting that because it knows that you've got shingles, I've got to fight. Um, well, and that's something to point out, right? Is like just because you go through HSCT, and again, the point is to halt progression, uh-huh. which is worsening. We we still have MS. We yes. still have all the memory of our yes. disease to the point of HSCT, which is part of the motivation to receive HSCT sooner than later, right? Yes. Because I gee whiz, had symptoms for over 12 years before I was diagnosed. And then even after diagnosis, it was seven years until HSCT for me. Right. I'm sorry, eight years. And so there's just all that damage that my body is trying to heal, but it takes so long that yes, when I get stressed out, then suddenly my left arm is tight again, or my walking is bad, or my foot is dropping. Like, yep. It just pops up and you revisit the past because your body, like I believe it's your fascia and your tissues, all of those cells in that inner web Uh that supports all of the messaging that your body connects all of your systems through. They react. Yes. Especially when they're stressed. And I think, you know, everybody likes to say, I'm MS free, I'm MS free after they have HSCT. Well... You're not MS-free, you're MS progression-free. Ideally, that's what you are. You still have MS, you're not MS damage-free. Some of it might heal, but some some of it it might not. Right, and some of it is so invisible, you may never know. Yes. It's like microscopic damage that can make the whole right side of your body be numb or that you could never see on any MRI even. So I will never regret having HSCT. I will never regret it. Nothing else. I, I've so far I've gotten seven years of life that I wouldn't have gotten had I not had it. Um, life is a lot different than what I ever thought it would be. I never thought I wouldn't be able to work at the job or jobs that I did in the past, and I had to make peace with that. And I'm doing everything I can to use all of that energy I had towards that towards other things. Um, and help as many people as I can in the meantime. I mean, I think that's what we're all doing in this space, is just doing everything we can to make it easier for those coming up mm. um, to see here here are your options, and here's what it's like before, during, and after, and here's what to expect, and not to be afraid, and go into it with as much knowledge as possible. That's beautiful work. Well, you guys are doing good things, too. So Well, but it feels good to be in that space with you, right? That. Truly, we're, we are all um, one big family, right? Post-HSCT. I'm looking forward to that webinar. Well, yeah, and I'm realizing that your this episode is going to air the day of the webinar. Oh, really? So later tonight, you can tune in again and, and see Brooke on, oh, uh, oh God. on our panel, right, of, of well, panelists. Who else is on the panel? 
Yeah, so Dr. Fedorenko from Moscow, and I'm sure he'll be so pleased to reconnect with you. I know. I love him. Dr. Ruiz, uh, Guillermo mm-hmm. Ruiz from Clinica Ruiz in uh-huh. Puebla and Monterrey, Mexico. And then you will be a patient representative for Moscow, and we have a patient representative who attended Clinical Ruiz in Monterey, Jan Marie Morgan. Uh, she cool. she lives in Canada and uh, was treated in Mexico because she just wasn't interested in the clinical trials in Canada. Right. And how long ago did she have HSCP? Uh, she was treated. She was part of the first group to come through. Oh, Post-COVID. Cool. So she she was just treated in June. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's got that COVID perspective. Well, that's great because she'll have the, the fresh newbie HSCT and yes. I've got the, o, the OG HSCT <laughs> right. point of view. Right. We try so to that's create perfect. Yeah, balanced perspective. And we offer live Q&A. So the doctors have recorded presentations, no more than 20 minutes, and we will show those at the beginning, right? And then hopefully people will be asking questions as they watch these videos that the doctors and you can help answer because we want all perspectives. We want the physician perspective and we want the patient experience. And where can people access this? Because I'd like to advertise it, of course, on my social media. People who want to join in, ask questions, or just watch, where are they going to be able to access the webinar? Yes. So registration is through our website, hsctwarriors.org. And let's see, there's a Zoom link that people will receive once they register. Registration is limited to 100 people. And again, like this is going to air that day. So... Registration at that point might be full, but yes, I'm going to send you an updated um, like Instagram image, if you will, and list okay. you and Jan Marie as part of the panel. So last week, like earlier in the week, maybe we we sent out something just advertising the doctors for the first time. Okay. So now we can advertise you all and your perspective and like that comprehensive perspective. In answering the Q&A. Um, and this webinar is free, correct? Yes, free. Okay. No cost and will live on our website after it's ended. And the intention really is just to provide that introduction to the international options, knowing that yeah. there's such a barrier right now in the United States for people. Yeah. So hopefully in the future, we can also follow this up with like, a Russia specific webinar and a Mexico specific webinar. Right. Right. Like a deeper dive. Yeah. But there's going to be plenty of time. Yeah. There's going to be plenty of time for questions and answers because the presentations will last no more than an hour. Okay. Uh, No more than really half an hour, 40, about 40 minutes. So there'll be a good 45 minutes plus to answer people's questions. Awesome. And what, like, do you have any, like, are they coming up with their own agendas or like any idea exactly what they're, are they just going to be introducing you to what happens at their facility? Yes. Yes. So we asked them for a presentation overview of their facility and kind of a patient how to help patients understand their protocol. And so they kind of do this brief overview of HSCT in general. And then both presentations offer beautiful pictures of both clinics and inside and like the machines to expect. And it's that whole, like how, how do we help people recognize that it's to be trusted but right. also like what to expect once they get there, right? I think there's right. a whole lot of wondering um, right. in people's minds. like. So you're going to take away the mystery. We hope to, yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait. I'm so excited that uh, you asked me to be part of it. I'm so I'm more exci- excited now than I was before. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting to have you, and I'm just thrilled to have you join us as part of this panel and 
as always, like continually promoting each other's successes with the podcast. It's always great to connect with you. Well, thank you so, so much for having me. Well, before I let you go, Brooke, let's revisit a superpower that you've gained from HSCT, even if it's changed since the last time we spoke. Um, I would say, I think my ability to surrender to things that are out of my control, whether that's disease-related, MS-related, or now everything in life. And I think a lot of that started with a, with actually going through HSCT where you have to surrender. But now I try to use that in my day-to-day life. And I'll tell you, it's really made life a whole lot easier. And things flow a lot better when you just kind of let go sometimes. Because I was always a control freak. And to let go of some of that control and just let whatever happens, happens wow, does it take a lot of pressure off. So That's yeah. powerful. Surrender. That's my superpower. And it's re- <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not easy for so many people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yep. that, that is truly powerful. If I can do it, anybody can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. take the rigors of HSCT. Right, right. You don't have to go through that to just surrender. Just but. a little patience. So there. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> So what about uh, your gratitude or what you're grateful for about your experience with HSCT, even if it was eight years ago? Oh, gosh, the community. Absolutely community Mm. since that time and the building of that community and all the friendships. You know, people you've never met in person, but you feel like they're family and you know who you can go to or who might need a shoulder from you every once in a while, just to be able to touch people from all over the world. And it's, it's not a burden either. A lot, I get contact, I'm sure you do too. Um, you get a lot of messages from people all around the world asking about HSCT. And to be able to help those people, and like I said, I always go back to that used to be me. That used to be me, and there were only a handful of people to help me. Um, so when somebody comes to me for help, I really, I try to, put down whatever I'm doing that at that minute and get back to them as soon as I can just to put their fears at ease and help them as much as I can. So community, being able to touch lives, and they've touched mine as well. That's one of the biggest gifts of the, that I'm so grateful for. And continuing to build in all that yeah. you do. Thank you so much for all of your service to the MS community and the HSCT warrior community out there slog it away Jen (laughs) it's not that messy no no it's beautiful work to be a part of and it's so great to know you and I really appreciate you coming back to share with us some updates and um, hopefully people now can face any fears of trigeminal neuralgia with a little more hope in their pocket there are answers you really have to be insistent about about uh, getting in contact with a good neurosurgeon and telling them fix me, fix me now. <laughs> yeah, if anything, self advocacy is a huge practice that I. You gained. can get to the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thanks for inspiring us, Brooke. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy a beautiful rest of the day and week, and uh, we will look forward to seeing you next week on the webinar. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources of the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allen Salzer for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been so great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake 
and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. John Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician. 